Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. If you remember, we were specifically uh, talking about prayer for the last few weeks. Uh, and so we've taken a, a shift in direction, and it's just talking about growing up spiritually. But we're going to purpose to integrate just purposing to pray about different things at different times. Because you realize, as we grow spiritually, God wants us to not only get to a place of where we pray for ourselves but where we pray for others and other things. In other words, we could say it this way, God will give us assignments of what needs to be prayed for, right? In fact, the Bible says this, that all of God's promises are yes and amen. They are a redemptive promise through what Jesus did at the cross. And therefore, many of the things that we pray for, we don't need to say, to, to say a prayer about. All we have to do is give God thanks. And when we give God thanks, it begins to move things in our, in, in our direction because it's already been provided for us. And so if we realize, man, I don't have to pray about that. All i got to do is give God thanks. I free up a lot of time to be able to pray for other things, right? And so I just believe that as we continue to grow, we're going to begin to uh, get direction from God as to what needs to be prayed for. And so along these lines of what we were talking about growing up spiritually... If you remember, uh, the Bible told us in Ephesians in, in chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I desire that you would grow up no more being children or being babies. And so God's heart is for us not to remain as babies or little kids. He wants us to grow up in the church, right? He wants us to begin to mature. And if you remember, the Bible said in Ephesians, it says that God gave gifts unto men, some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and and, and, uh, pastors. And he says those uh, ministry gifts have been given that they are there to help you become perfected, or the word perfected means matured, to help you mature. And then once you begin to mature and grow up a little bit, you begin to understand what your purpose is. And it says then you begin to do work of ministry. And the whole purpose of the work of that ministry that God has called you to is to bring edification or to build the church. Right? And so that's God's heart and God's desire for us. But he says you've got to purpose to grow. So when we think about growing up spiritually, if we're not careful, what we think or what we'll begin to identify is that growing up spiritually or mature uh, spiritually or maturing spiritually is something of an intellectual nature. Well, I've got more knowledge. Well, obviously you can have knowledge, and as you grow spiritually, more knowledge comes. But there's a difference between knowledge and revelation knowledge, right? Because knowledge is just in your head, but revelation knowledge is about your heart. And so, therefore, when God's saying, I want you to grow up, I want you to mature, I want you to not just be babies or children, I want you to grow up in the body of Christ, it's important for us to know what's growing up or what is developing or what is maturing. And so, for clarification, again, we won't get into a whole lot of this, but if you remember, the Bible says in Genesis that God made man in his own image and likeness, right? And the Bible says that he took the ground, the dust of the ground, he formed it into a physical body and made man. But the man wasn't alive. It was just a physical body. Then the Bible says that God 
breathed into the man, and the man became alive and became a living spirit. So what happened? There was the one part that was the physical nature or visage of the man. And then once God breathed life into him or put a spirit into him, then he became a living being. Right? And so again, to understand that you are made up of three parts. You have a physical body. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But you are a spirit. Right? You're a spirit living within this body. Now, for that matter, if you think about it, if you've ever known anybody, in fact, I've, I've had uh, loved ones that have gotten in car accidents, and they're on life support. Now, the machines are keeping the body functioning. It's putting air in the lungs. It's beating the heart. But they're no longer there. The real them has departed and went home. And the moment that you took that body off life support, they no longer sustained life or they no longer continued to function as a body because the spirit man, the real man, the life of a man had been taken out. Right? So again, it's important for us to understand what it is that is maturing and it is the spirit man that is beginning to mature. In fact, for that matter, if you think about it, you know, if you put your hand in front of your face and you blow on it, you can feel the air, but you can't see it, right? But the air that you feel comes from within you. And so the spirit man is much like that. It's within you, even though you can't see it. But the Bible says that it is the spirit man that is growing and maturing. And for that matter, if you're... If there is no growing without, there is no growing within. If you're not growing spiritually, you're really not growing or maturing at all. In fact, we could say it this way. If you're an individual that uh, can't be mature and is emotional or you're an emotional mess, you're really a baby or a spiritual baby. I said, if you're emotionally a mess, if you're emotionally a wreck, then you really aren't spiritually mature. Because if you're spiritually mature, the spirit man begins to dictate the emotions, the soul, and even the natural man. So let's look at that for just a moment to give you some scripture to help identify some of those things. First Peter, in fact, let's turn there. First Peter chapter 3. I have you turned to a couple different places, as a matter of fact. You don't mind turning in your Bible, do you? Thank you for that one. I don't mind turning in your Bible. appreciate that. <laughs> You're going to make me work tonight. You're not going to put it up on the screen so I can read it up there. i got to turn on my Bible. <laughs> Ephesians. Or excuse me, First Peter rather. First Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 3, says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now let's just stop there for a moment. This is just a side note. But have you ever heard individuals that said, You know, well, you know, you're not supposed to cut your hair. You're not supposed to uh, wear gold or jewelry or anything like that. 
Did you hear them? You ever heard anybody say that? Because that is no honor. Well, listen, they, they get this, get that line of thinking from this verse here, from this scripture. But look at what it says here. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. So in other words, it says, when it comes to your adornment, the outward man, don't let it just be with your hair. Please do your hair. Don't just make it about the gold and all that stuff and all the bling. If you like it, great. Mr. T looked pretty cool. And then it says, and the fine apparel. Right? So, in other words, if, if we were going to take that context, well, you know, the Bible says don't cut your hair, don't wear jewelry and all that stuff because it's too flashy. Well, the Bible also says don't put on fine apparel. So, in other words, if you're not going to comb your hair, if you're not going to cut your hair, if you're not going to wear jewelry, then you can't wear clothes either. Right? So obviously that scripture is taken out of context. But he says, once again, he says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Did you notice what he talked about was more important? The inward man. The spirit of the man. He said, now, taking care of the outward man is great. Look good. Smell good. Please do. But he says, beyond that, take care of the inward man because that's what's more precious to God. That's what's more needful. That's what's more necessary. Begin to develop, take care of the inward man. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Once again, bringing awareness or understanding to the inward man. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man being renewed day by day. Once again, are you seeing that the Bible is making a distinction between the outer flesh man, the physical body, and the inward man? Right? So in other words, something happens to your earth suit. It gets beat up, banged up, burned up. Well, this earth suit can't, cont- can't contain you anymore. Therefore, the real you goes home. All right? And then also in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, you don't have to turn there. But Paul says this. He says, I'm praying for you that you would be strengthened with might in your inner man. He didn't say, I'm praying that your outward man, your physical man, would be strengthened. He says, I'm praying that your inward man is strengthened. And so, therefore, when God's talking about growing up spiritually, maturing, he's not talking about the physical man. He's talking about the spiritual man. He's wanting the spiritual man to begin to grow and mature. And that the spirit man is not a baby. But it begins to mature in the things of God. In fact, if you remember, the Bible says this. It says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, don't be conformed. Be transformed. And he says, what does that is the word of God. And he says, hide the word of God in your heart. The inward man. So, what the, what the world Uh, uh, tries to do, if you will, tries to uh, conform us to their way of thinking. Right? Have you ever noticed how the world tries tries to conform you into their way of thinking? 
whether it be political, whether it be cultural. They try to shape you. In fact, for that matter, it's through pressure. Have you ever seen a Nerf football? Anybody play with those when you were a kid? My kids have Nerf footballs. I can take a Nerf football and I can compress it and conform it through pressure and make it look like what I want it to. Or I can change the shape of it, right? But the moment I stop conforming it and take my hands off, it goes back into the shape of a football. Well, the world system is just like that. In fact, have you ever noticed that this world tries to lead you down a course of life that looks like it's a whole lot of fun, but all of a sudden, on the other side of that fun, you're trying to get free from the fun that you thought was so much fun. Right? Come on. I know somebody that's free from drug addiction, and they're so thankful I've never met one that has ever struggled with that kind of thing and says, I just want to go back to that. No. What does drug addiction do? It tries to conform you to conform to the addiction, the need, and the desire. And have you ever met somebody that's on the high? Sometimes it can be really ugly, can't it? Because of the conformity that takes place. But God says, I'm not looking to conform you to become something. In fact, God will never force you or purpose to put pressure on you. He lets you make the choice. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, when you begin to grow spiritually by the word of God in your life, a transformation takes place, not a conformity. Transformation means that something new exists that wasn't there before. Right? And have you ever noticed God's looking for us to be transformed into a place of something that's better? I've never met one person that's ever said, Man, Jesus has been so good to me, I just want to go back serving the devil. <laughs> never. Oh, I've been so free from, from, from pornography, I just so want to get hung up in that again. No. God's Word... And God's desire is that as we begin to mature, we're transformed. In fact, if you remember, I said this last week, and for the sake of clarification, again, anything that is said can obviously be ran in the ditch. But I talked to you last week as far as uh, longevity of, like, say, worship services where people, I just want a worship service that's an hour and a half long. I love singing. I love worshiping God. And that's good and it's needful. But do you know in the New Testament, the Bible never talks about long, extended times of worship, at least not that I'm aware of. But it does speak of long times of ministering of the Word. In fact, do you remember Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus was ministering, preaching, and teaching the people. And then he ministered so much so that the disciple says, do you want us to send them away? And he says, well, listen, man, they've been here a long time. We better feed them first. Right? Do you remember the story about Peter? Where Peter, Peter was preaching so long that one of the young fellows that was sitting in the window fell asleep and died. And Peter had to go raise him from the dead. I say, Peter, was it Paul? I think it was Paul. It's Paul. So in terms of longevity or actually length of time, the Bible actually lends itself more to lengths of time of being under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Why? Because it is the Word of God that will transform you. 
Worship will bless you, obviously. It helps in the transformation. But God says there is a maturing that really only comes through the Word of God. It transforms. It begins to make you new. It begins to make you look more like Jesus. Can you say amen? All right, so I want to just touch on this real quickly, not for the sake of redundancy, but just to kind of share a little bit as to, to where we're going. But once again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, verse, or chapter 7, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, once again, it speaks of the ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor, that they are the ones that begin to help mature the body of Christ, meaning they help grow them up. My children go to school. And there are teachers that are there helping them mature, right? There's somebody that is set in a position, in a place to begin to teach them. And as they have begun to grow and mature in education, my children can now read. My son, he is four years old, but he can count to a certain height. He can say his ABCs. He knows his colors. Why? Because he sat under the teaching of somebody that was in a position. And the Bible says, just like that, to grow and mature spiritually, there's somebody that needs to help teach you. Obviously, the Bible says we have the Holy Spirit, but we have ministry gifts, if you will, or ministry offices that help in that, to mature us, to help us grow and do the work of ministry, and then begin to edify the church. So, that being said... How many people come to church? We're talking about growing up spiritually, right? How many people go to church saying, I'm going to church today and I'm just I'm purposing to grow up a little bit? We don't come in with that attitude, do we? At least very seldom. We come in strutting our stuff. And now Jordan, he's like, I'm the worship leader. He says, I got a new guitar. I'm up there and everybody's looking at me singing and Nobody knows the stuff that's going on at home. No, I'm just using an example. I'm not saying he's got stuff going on at home. But I'm saying it's real easy to put the show on, right? Coming in, oh, I'm somebody. I've done something. I've got position. I've got a title. But it doesn't mean that you're mature. Every individual that comes to church should come with the idea of, I'm growing up today. I'm getting a little bit more mature, Right? Because that's what it's for. But then the Bible says, as you begin to grow and mature, as you begin to develop, the Bible says, there's something for you to do. And so therefore, and I just learned a little bit more about what God's called me to do. And that means I am purposing to be used by God. And then the Bible says that when I do that, it grows the church. And I'm building the kingdom of God. Listen, if we would have the right mindset, it would really begin to change the landscape of church. Right? I remember there was one woman that came in and, I think I've shared this with you before. Uh, Dear lady, you know, there are people that can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. Do you know what I mean by that? And so she she would come in and the worship team, they would get going and and she would just start jumping around and she ran over to this family and I think the little child was only about three years old. She grabbed the child and go running all over the church. Well, she was just excited and she was wanting to, to kind of sweep up the child in that moment. But I thought to myself, if somebody that I didn't know came over and grabbed my child and took off with you, 
I mean, we would have to have a conversation. You know, don't just come over and grab my kid. And, and you didn't ask me. Does that make sense? Now, once again, I realize within the church it's real easy to get comfortable. In fact, I even talked with that family. I said, do you know her? She's like, no. I said, does that bother you? Well, a little bit. And I said, well, you know, just have a conversation with her. Kind of help coach them through it. But there was butting of heads a little bit with this particular woman. And so I sat her aside and we talked a little bit. And so I just simply asked her the question. I said, why are you here? And again, I knew the woman. I said, why are you here? And she says, well, I just believe God's called me here to fulfill my ministry. I said, really? I said, well, there's, that's part of the equation. I said, but you know what the first part of it is? She said, what? I said, the reason why you're here, and if you're saying that God sent you here, is that you're to be matured. Now, she was older than me, naturally speaking. And so she got that real crinkled up look on her face. You mean you are going to help me mature? That's what a pastor's for. I'm here to help you grow up, to do the work of ministry. That is to edify the church. Do you have a call? Absolutely. But I'm here to help you mature in that call. Last service I ever, last time I ever seen her. Be warmed and be filled, praise the Lord. <laughs> What's my point? My point is, is that coming into church with the right attitude... You all have ministries. God's called you to something specific. And you ought to come with such a confidence that God has called you to be used in the church. But also coming that every time I come together, not only am I being used by God, but I'm being matured. And I'm maturing every time that God gets to use me. Does that make sense? And I say that or talk about that cultivating, if you will, because oftentimes people will look at a pastor and just look at a pastor as a hireling. <laughs> you work for us. You know, you, you clean the toilets? Well, that's what we pay you to do. No, the, the Bible says that the pastor... Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about seeing things correctly to help you grow in the ministry. And the Bible says that we would come to the unity of faith and speaking the truth in love. Come on, how many of you know that speaking the truth in, the, in love is what helps you grow? Again, it continues to say, I think, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 15 or 16, 17, somewhere around in there. Speaking the truth in love. How many of you know that truth sometimes hurts? But if it's done with love, it can be edifying. Right? Now, here's, here's the other side of that. When you look at how that is laid out, it's speaking of ministry gifts that are speaking truth and love. Does that make sense? Or in other words, a pastor speaks the truth and love. Hey, Jordan, just want to talk to you, buddy. You know, If he receives it in the manner that it was given, he can begin to grow. But oftentimes people will take that, con- that, that verse out of context and say... Well, the Bible says to speak truth and love. So I see a problem in Jordan. And so I'm just going to go correct him. Well, if you've never been given a position of spiritual authority in his life, then you have no place to go speak truth into his life. You just want to be critical and criticize him. Does that make sense? 
And once again, we have a lot of people within the body of Christ that think it's their job to bring correction to the church when they are to bring edification to the church. Right? Now, the thing about babies, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but the thing about spiritual babies is that spiritual babies don't have the ability to discern. God wants you to have discernment, to be able to have some wisdom, if you will. But many times, rather than having discernment, spiritual babies have suspicion. (laughs) Right? Do you know what I mean by that? They don't have the spirit of discernment. They have the spirit of suspicion. (laughs) Right? No. Again, God wants to give us direction. He wants to help us grow. Are you doing okay? Amen. All right. So when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to us growing and developing, once again, we've got to have clarity as to what growing spiritually looks like because the carnal side of man looks at the gray hair. It looks at the age. It looks at the education. It looks at the success. But that doesn't mean that somebody is spiritually mature. Amen? And as I said, if we're not spiritually mature and able to discern who is mature and who is not, oftentimes Christians find themselves getting in trouble. Paul said this. Paul says, I buffet my body daily. Or what he said is, I keep it in control. I keep it under A strong spirit, a mature spirit, keeps their mind and keeps their flesh in check. Right? I'll come back to what I was talking about in just a moment. But a strong spirit keeps their mind and their flesh in check. What does that mean? Have you ever had your thought life just run crazy with you? Sure. All of us have the opportunity to. And those that are growing spiritually, and again, we're all subject to start to entertain the thoughts. And thoughts begin to take on a life of their own. But those that are maturing, they begin to identify those thoughts as to the source by which they came. And then, therefore, they can keep the thought under or bring it under control. Right? You've seen this many times within marriages. They have the spirit of suspicion. And the, enter, the, the enemy entertains those thoughts. And before you know it, you're making accusations. You're having thoughts. You're having anxiety. You're having ulcers because of what you've given yourself to your thought life. But if you have the ability to discern your spouse, your loved ones, I know that they wouldn't be that way. I know that they're on the up and up. I know that they're loving God, serving God. You can begin to put that thought life into subjection and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. Right? Same thing with the flesh. The natural man. How many of you know that your flesh has an appetite? It has a temperament. Now, don't... Don't look real holy when I say this, but have you ever noticed that your flesh will throw tantrums at times? (laughs) Sure it does. Have you ever 
had a bad day. I, I've said this to you before, but I never realized that I was an emotional eater. But there's times when I'm stressed or have a rough day. It's like, man, I just want a pile of mashed potatoes and a big loaf of bread to dip it in. <laughs> Why? It's because my flesh, my emotions are starting to engage. But what do you do? You purpose to keep the flesh under. I mean, we would all be 600 pounds if we just gave into our emotions and ate all the time, right? I mean, my wife, she, she, she likes chocolate, you know, and sweet stuff. Now, obviously, she, she controls her flesh, but I'm just saying, look at her. She's so beautiful. But I'm just saying, if she was to give way, like I said, watch out. In fact, there's been times I've had to fight her for the Snickers bar, but, you know, that's another conversation. Hey, man, you're doing all right. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, yeah, we're doing good. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll wind this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't know if I said chapter 1. Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Chapter 3, yes. My wife says I always say the wrong chapter and verse, and I, I, I guess I do. But it's when... I, I did not need agreement on that, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> But, but I identified what it is, is because I'm telling you something, but I'm thinking as I'm talking. And so when I'm thinking and talking at the same time, wrong things come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could get you in trouble, too, wouldn't it? First Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Man, I started to fog up my glasses on that one. All right, so... Verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So notice he's talking about Christian people. And he says, I came to speak to you and talk from a perspective of talking with spiritually mature people, but you're carnal. And carnality or carnal living, he said, is also considered to be a baby Christian. So in other words, you could have a carnal lifestyle and it's not pleasing to God. But he says you can still go to heaven. You're just a baby. Right? He says you're a spiritual baby. And he says, I I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? So he says, now you act like just a mere man that's not saved. You act like a spiritual baby. And he says, because you're carnal, I can't talk to you through spiritual things. I just got to talk real surfacy, real general, give you milk of the word. But notice what he says are some attributes or some characteristics of carnal or baby people. He says, there's envy. There's strife. There's division among you. Have you ever seen that in church? Divisiveness? Never. You've never seen people get at odds with one another. You've never seen people rise up and cause problems within the church. You've never seen people get envious. 
how come I'm not being used by God that way? How come you don't call on me to do that? How come they're so special? Right? There's always strife. There's always contention. There's always envy. There's always some type of division or something going on in church. That's just church. But he says, that's characteristics of a baby Christian. Somebody that just acts like they're not even saved. They are saved. They're going to heaven, but they act like they're not. Right? He says, those are spiritual babies. So if we relate this to the natural side of life, a baby, natural baby, always needs help. Right? Spiritual babies always need help. Uh, Natural babies always need to be fed. They always need to be taken care of. Spiritual babies always come and say, Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Why don't you pray for yourself? I don't know how. Or you've got to always tell them what the Word of God says. Now again, I'm not being condescending. I'm just saying that there are those that remain as babies and you've always got to maintain their spiritual walk with God. Can you say amen? Babies look to others for everything, like I said, for prayer, for guidance, for the Word. When you think about a natural baby, a natural baby lives in a small world and everything centers around them. I know we've never seen that in church. Now, in church, spiritual babies live in a small world and everything revolves around them, right? Can you help us out with this project? Well, you don't know all the stuff that's going on in my life. You don't know. Nobody ever helped me doing anything. Right? It's all about them because their realm or their world is so small. Babies <clears throat> babies can't see outside of their world. Like I said, they can't see outside of their immediate needs. So when it comes to the laborers or being those that help or do the work of ministry, it's not within their realm of thinking. To actually be about the harvest or winning the lost or building the church, it's not even something that they, can't, that they can comprehend. In fact, for that matter, when it comes to the maturing and the edifying and the building of the church, babies don't get beyond the first part of just trying to mature. And once again, that's why strife can come in. How come you and the pastor have such a good relationship? They begin to mature. They purpose to pursue that relationship. Therefore, we begin to work on purpose. And therefore, helping develop the purpose, they became a part of the process to do the work. Come on. This is hitting home, I realize, because this is church. But God is wanting us to grow up and not be spiritual babies. He's wanting us to fulfill the plan of God for our life. The majority of our learning comes from when we do things, when we purpose to grow, when we purpose to put our hand to the plow. When you think about natural babies, now, Malachi's gotten a little bit bigger. But, you know, even though Malachi is only one years old, uh, he can only do so much. And if he exerts too much energy, you know what happens? He starts to get cranky and he needs to go lay down and take a nap. 
Spiritual babies are the same way. Oh, man, I've done so much. Pastor, I just got to sit down. I got to rest, right? Now, God wants us to continue to grow. Are you doing all right? And the last thing, and then we'll move on next week. Spiritual babies always cry. It's their solution to everything, right? They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to get your attention. They don't know how to tell you what's going on to help them fix what's going on in their life. So all they do is they cry. Spiritual babies are the same. They don't know how to communicate, so all they do is cry. And isn't it interesting that you can see it from a distance? Once again, I can pick on Malachi because Malachi is here. But when he's starting to have some issues, you can see it from a distance. If he's got stinky diaper, all of a sudden you see it on the face. The, the lip starts to poke out, and he starts to cry. Why? Because he's a baby. Those that are spiritual babies, once again, you can see it from a distance. They walk in, and they just are looking for you to see what's going on in their life. Makes uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> should I say that? Oh, praise the Lord. I'm thinking of one in, individual would come to church and just wore the heaviness on them. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to people that, that carry that with them and you try to help them through it, at some point in time it gets to a place where it's like, well, you know what, I tried to help you, but you don't want help. So I'm just going to go on my, my merry way. So you'd come in on Sunday morning and they'd have that look on their face and you're like, hi, praise the Lord, glad to see you this morning. I keep on walking. Well, why am I doing that? Because I don't want to get bogged down with your soap opera, what's going on in life. And so I'd come back through a little bit later, and the countenance has gotten even more exaggerated. Like, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Glad you came today. I keep on walking. I'd come back around, and the countenance is just like <laughs> tears running down the face. And they up the ante to the point where somebody would say, are you Okay. You all right? Why? Because they wanted the attention. Now, please don't hear me as being hard and callous. That's not my point. I'm just saying God wants us to grow up so that it isn't all about us, that the, the world in which we see isn't small and it just revolves around me, myself, and I. But it gets to the place where I begin to grow up spiritually and therefore I begin to see the purpose in my life and then I begin to see beyond myself and start to see other people. Oh, they need help. They need love. They need affirmation. They need reassurance. Amen? Those that need to be affirmed, they will always need to be affirmed. And if you give place to it, you know, when does it stop? They just keep on needing it. But when they grow up, they realize, God, you're my affirmation. And God's got a plan and purpose for our lives. Amen? Are you wanting to grow? Are you wanting to mature? Sure thing. How many of you know that growing naturally is a process. Now, I didn't get this great physique of a body, 
by just doing nothing. I've worked out extremely hard for this body. No, I didn't. No, not at all. Not at all. To get this body into shape, it's going to take some effort. Right? I mean, you look at Jimmy. Jimmy, he's this, this buff dude. I mean, he's just ripped. But, well, he, he, I mean, his job is a, is a workout every day. Well, because his body is whooped into shape. Mine is not. But if I want to change it, I've got to put in the work to change the body. I've got to change what I'm feeding it. I've got to change what I'm doing to energize it. My spirit man is the same way. I've got to be intentional with its growth, what I feed it, what I purpose to energize it with. Amen? And when I do that, we begin to grow. Praise God. All right. Now you're all going to come back next week, right? <laughs> oh, dear God, we've got to hear more of this. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it's good. This is where God's wanting us to be because he wants us to grow up. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to just share the word of God. I know that it's challenging, Lord. God, it's not just challenging the church. God, you're challenging me. You're challenging me as a pastor to to grow up in some areas, to mature, to develop, so that I can fulfill the purpose and plan for my life, and that the work in which I do, God, is more effective and more productive. So, God, I thank you that we all receive and hear from you tonight. Because, God, you've got great things for this church, these people, and our families. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.